What is up, everyone? Chris Manning here from the Locked On Cavs podcast with my co-host, Evan Dambrow. On today's show, we're starting a our Isaac Okoro little mini-series here by looking at the good of Isaac Okoro. So if you're saying, hey, I don't think he's good, we're going to talk about the bad tomorrow and talk about his fit for the future team on Wednesday. So, so come back for the, full, uh, for the full picture here. That's all coming up today on Locked On Cavs. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. All right, the music you heard on the way in, at least in audio form, is from our friends at Astro Radio. Check them out wherever you listen to music, Apple Music, Spotify, etc. I'm Chris Manning, covering the cast for places like Diamond Up Rocks and SB Nation Fear the Sword. My co-pilot, Evan Damerel, is from Facebook's Right Down Euclid. Before we dive too deep into today's show, we'd like to thank today's sponsor of Lockdown Cabs, Sakara. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish. Go to sakara.com slash lockdown20 or enter code lockdown20 for 20% off a checkout at Sakara Nutrition. Evan, what's going on, man? How, how are you doing? Caught me around. I was taking a sip of water, but I'm good, man. Um, in the moving process right now, if push comes to shove and things work out nicely, maybe next week I'll be in a new setup, but we'll see. Um, I'm, I'm good. How's your weekend been? How are you? We're, we're going, we're moving, uh, continuing along here, just pressing along. The weather's getting good. You know, think things are up. Things are up. Uh, Were you a fan of the ungodly hot weather on Saturday? I wasn't, uh, I was miserable. I wouldn't say I was miserable, but I, I just am so sick of the cold that I'm, I'm really kind of just ready for any sort of consistent warmth. I'm okay with consistent warm, but like the humidity was just bad saturday mm-hmm. and my new house doesn't have central air we use window units which is the only flaw with it and i have my parents up there helping me with some stuff and my dad's a bigger guy and i'm just like, you good he's like I'm, I'm sweating like a hog and so as soon as that storm hit it, it was pleasant but until then i was just like yeeks yeah it's tough all right let's talk about isaac okoro so first segment we're going to talk about his shooting. David Zavak's going to make a million accounts and downvote this episode into oblivion. Segment two, we're going to talk about his defense. And segment three, we're going to talk about some miscellany with the good. And again, so today is going to be the good of Isaac Okoro. Tomorrow is going to be the bad slash frustrating slash I don't know what to make of this of Isaac Okoro. And then Wednesday will be, okay, so let's. this is what we think we know about Okoro. Where does this go? etc etc because there's i think a lot to unpack with him and uh you evan did a poll to see who we do next and he finished second behind texan i think there, there's good reason for for intrigue there but evan so i want to start with the shooting mm-hmm. because I, I i think there is sort of a two sides of the coin to this the percentage did go up it went up six percent 29 percent as a rookie 35 in year two he went from 24 percent on non-corner three-pointers to 33 percent 36.8% at catch-and-shoot three-pointers, was at 297 as a rookie. That is not nothing. His effective field goal percentage overall went up about 7%. He made a, uh, a pretty drastic jump in points per shot attempt. All Any way you want to measure like his effectiveness as a shooter and, and like being an effective offensive player to some degree, that went up. At the same time, 
his three-point rate was like very slightly down so it's not like you saw him like get to like lead closer to the average as a shooter on better volume it's like hey i'm gonna take basically the same amount of shots mm-hmm. and i'm gonna make more of them but it's still it's still i think the part of this that's the other coin other side of the coin is like it does not feel like this was a big jump for Isaac core right like it doesn't i don't like look at even though like the numbers say he should he's a better shooter he shot better this year and that is a fact it doesn't feel to me like i think of okoro massively different as a shooter than i did after his rookie season i think it doesn't feel that way because like you said the numbers do quantify it it's just isaac's overall offensive impact wasn't really like quantifiable if that makes sense and i had to look it up for myself yeah he did make six percent more of his um three-point attempts let me double check here oh golly um yeah no he it's, made it's, yeah he made six percent more of his three-point attempts but it was on a smaller volume so it was about 0.9 less yeah. per game which is where you have to kind of take it and i think it's just people really zeroed in on Coro's offensive limitations just because some of the rest of the Cavs were really hitting for the better part of the season especially garland allen mobley and then if you look at Coro, who's a starter he was averaging uh 30 minutes per game and like he was playing substantially more when he was starting for the Cavs. he did start 67 games for cleveland this season or 61 games for cleveland this season played in 67 overall but I think defensively is where you really saw like the huge, huge leaps. But well, like you said, we'll, 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 we'll get into this. This is this is about the shooting. I know so, like, it's the shooting, feel... but like you just yeah, you don't notice his overall impact because like you notice so many of his flaws on top of that. It's easy to get bogged down in all like just his limitations offensively to not notice some like the good other than the cutting, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. Uh, that's more of a tomorrow thing, actually, oh. in terms of like what it actually is, because it just doesn't feel like it's enough. There's a number that I'll that I'll pull up and kind of detail this, but like, look, I I look at him as a shooter, and it's like I think you have to take, I think you have to look at the fact that it's a higher number as something that is good. Like I think that you have to view that as something of what it is. And like you look he's at, he's not broken as a shooter still. No, I think the question is like, okay, if this is an improvement he has made, and it still doesn't feel like teams re- opposing defenses respect him, and it's a lot of corner threes, it's all, and you know, it's still kind of averageish, and it, it's it's not a lot else. Like the diet is kind of is what it is. And look, he his usage rate is very low. It was twelve percent this year. It was fourteen percent as a rookie. Like it's not exactly like this is a guy that's gonna have a ton of the ball in his hands. His his offensive stuff is sort of magnified in this way. Mm-hmm. It leaves you sort of, I think, wanting to see, okay, can it, is there something else he can add as a passer, as a cutter, is there a little stuff he can add? Like, I think there, I think, like, honestly, the thing I feel, when I think, when I was trying to think back to, like, what popped in my head about his offensive season growth, it's like, I felt like in transition, he was a little bit better with that Euro step that he yeah. likes to take. It's kind of like a very Isaac Okoro Euro step in that it's very robotic. It's very stiff. It's like a muscular Euro step. Like he kind of uses his frame and, and leverages that opposite shoulder to, to peel the cross as he makes that move. But it's like, that feels like something that I'm like, ah, he added this. He's more comfortable with that more so than like as a shooter. And it's just, I think the just Evan, on this note, does like the how the end of the year went stick in your head with this a little bit because for me it does because we could look at the numbers and say he's better and he improved. 
I just also look at like the the Brooklyn game and the Atlanta game in the play-in where he was like often just left by himself and then wasn't on the floor for part of the Atlanta game is mm-hmm. like a real what do I do with this sort of thing to say did he improve yes or no and it's hard to kind of answer that I think it's tr- it's trending in the right direction that's that's what I was trying to find the words to say without like being overwhelmingly negative because like yeah there were times. Throughout the season, and you definitely made a point, and it's a correct point about how, like, against Atlanta in the play-in, against Brooklyn in the play-in, like, he was kind of a non-factor, especially on offense. I guess he could provide you stuff defensively, but it's kind of detrimental sometimes when he's on the floor for you offensively. But when you look at these numbers, you're saying, okay, maybe in year three when a lot of players are supposed to make this leap, Isaac included, there's things that are trending upwards that say, like, okay, he may never be like a plus 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 shooter but he could be a plus or a plus minus shooter just because like he's just petering on being just okay enough to just kind of support the Cavs in terms of that regard and we just be average and it's like <coughs> this is a trend to him being and that's like, not average a, as a, shooter. Not a bad like, thing for him being average either no like uh dunks and threes has him as like like right around like a little below average as a shooter relative to his position like he's trending that way and it's a leap from year one it's just like is this it, it didn't i think for like what the team also needed i think that's you and i think the other part of it and tell me if you think this is fair or not fair i think him being a f- former fifth overall pick plays into this a little bit like and how we talk about this right like i think there is a little bit more expectation when you're a top five pick that kind of throws some of this at it and it's not like he's like he's not a top five pick who's busted out and you can we can just label him as I think bad. It's a little more of like figuring out what he actually is is like a little trickier, I think it seems like to me. I think that's fair, but I also wanna have the caveat of outside of Lamello, Edwards, Pat Williams, and Tyrese Halliburton, like there's a pretty steep drop-off in terms of talent in that draft class. Like you can make an argument for Devin Vassell. You can make an argument for Onyeka and Kong Wu, who we were both a fan of at the time. I mean, even Sadiq mm. Bey, too, like he was solid, but or is solid with um, Detroit. But there's a pretty steep drop-off. So I think Okoro being a fifth overall pick in a pretty weak draft class overall, I don't think it should be held mm-hmm. against him. But I mean, yeah, I guess you could take it into consideration. But I think no, I, I don't mean that. Like, fair. I'm not. I'm. I'm not saying it Tyrese matters Maxie to too. me. Goodness gracious! If I had Tyrese Maxey is in this class, yeah, but he's like way later. I, I, I look at the the fifth overall pick thing just as like I think there is just like expectation from like the the, the way like that overall dialogue about him sort of gets shaped because it's like he is this higher pick and there's more. Yeah, experience. he's a top. I, I understand. He's a top five pick. So yeah. You expect like more of a yeah. contribution, but like. Yeah. Can I give you uh, Okoro's splits per month from three-pointing real quick before we go into break? Because these are kind of wild. Absolutely, my friend. Lay it on me. Still not good. All right. So October, 20%. Bad. November, 21.1%. On 3, 3.8 attempts per game. His highest, per, highest number of attempts per game in a single month. December, 45.7%. On about three attempts per game. January, down to 22.7. February, 45%. On about two attempts per game. 
March, 45.2% on about two attempts per game again. Okay. And in April, 33.2% in sure. a five-game sample. So were your concerns it's a little bit of, really come, though, it's a little bit of up and down, the motion of the ocean. Maybe he can get a little better because he's not broken shooting-wise, but, like, mechanically. Like, mechanically, he's not broken, but, like, he's stiff. Like, we've talked about, like, he's stiff offensively just in many facets of the game. And... At least this, as we head into break, is encouraging. Isaac owned up to this in his exit interviews where he said that he knows he's a good defensive player and there's a lot of stuff he needs to refine and fix offensively. And again, players really make that dramatic leap in year three. So I think we're going to definitely see like a defensive leap from Okoro. But offensively, I'd really hone in on that and see like how he feels comfortable on the floor because like there's clear ways he looks comfortable on the floor and the way the Cavs utilized him. But... Also, again, like how the Cavs feel comfortable using him. And I think maybe like it's a little up and down, but at least it was trending up at some points. You just have to find that happy medium where you can say, okay, he isn't a total detriment when you're on the floor. So defenses aren't all like they're going to sag off on him, but they don't want to sag off on him all the time, if that makes sense. Yeah, we'll get into more of that on, on the Wednesday show when we kind of pick at his big picture stuff and how the Cavs maybe can, if there's questions about how they can support him best and maximize him. But first, Evan, uh, we're going to continue talking about the good of him today after the break. We're going to talk about his defense, which remains his defining skill, at least broadly speaking. But first, going to tell everyone about our friends at Takara Nutrition. Feeling your best starts with what you eat, and Takara helps you live a healthy, balanced lifestyle and truly enjoy it. With delicious, plant-rich, transformational nutrition that builds a foundation for living within your best body. Sakara is a wellness company anchored in food as medicine on a mission to nourish your body through the power of plants. Their nutritionally designed, chef-crafted breakfasts, lunches, and dinners are made with powerful plant-rich ingredients, helping boost your energy, support your digestion, curb your sugar cravings, and get your skin glowing. Plus, it's all delivered right to your door, ready to eat their function their functional plant-rich wellness essentials help you create a body you love living in from their best-selling metabolism super powder to the foundation their daily supplement packs sakara's products are designed to support your wellness goals anytime anywhere and right now sakara is offering our listeners 20 percent off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash lockdown 20 or enter code lockdown 20 at checkout that's sakara s-a-k-a-r-a.com slash lockdown 20 to get 20% off your first order, Takara.com slash Lockdown20. All right, back here on the Lockdown Cast podcast. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Now, make sure to go to check out Lockdown NBA Big Board. Host Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies and author of the NBA Big Board newsletter, check that out on Substack, is joined by Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin, giving fans an in-depth look into the NBA Draft mock drafts, player kings, and of course, their big boards. It's free and available wherever you get your podcast. Okay. Evan, think two that I think remains pretty solid. I have a hard idea, a hard time articulating if it improved in a in a meaningful way. Um the 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 whatever however you want to take sort of advanced data in this sense, like it doesn't indicate a massive leap. But I think he remains like very solid, and I think we just sort of now have a two-year track record. In that, if Okoro is really good at one thing, it is like as a defender who isn't generating a lot of turnovers, 
isn't going to be a guy that I think is kind of locking down like your apex predator wing types, but like can be a very strong point of attack guy. Yeah, I think it really is that a positive. I, mean, thing I, I think about like the fact that we have now like a two-year sample of that insight on how in itself is like a pretty positive thing about interesting as well, where they said okay. In his rookie year, Isaac, we need you just to go out there and play hard against your assignment, whoever it is, because teams are going to force switches and things like that. And you kind of saw a lot of that. He drew not a ton of fouls, but he sometimes would get into foul trouble depending on who he was tasked with defending that evening. But in year two, the game finally slowed down for him a lot, and he was a point of attack defender. He's a good help defender, a good switch defender. I think him being so multifaceted and understanding like defensive schemes and concepts really makes him an ideal player player to complement a lot of what the Cavs are doing um like you said there's not like a substantial leap but for what it's worth when he's paired with Darius Garland as the starting shooting guard for the Cavs the Cavs are plus 6.6 per 100 possessions defensively and that's definitely worth noting at least just because Garland isn't ever going to be like physically just like a dominant defender like I think he's solid at times positionally but there's going to be times he gets switched or pried off of and exploited and i think having a coro is just like a point of attack defender or a help defender as well if the cast forcing defenses which is too just makes his life easier maybe lets darius expend more energy on offense where he's a lot more impactful that's that's how he played I at think, auburn is he i i think that like he so fouled like a relatively like kind of high amount which kind of makes sense for <clears throat> He um, plays juiced up a lot on defense. Yeah, he's very like. Thing. There's it's at least once like, a game where like a core like kind of knows he went like a little too hard. Floor. You know. Correct. So, I, the other thing I think about him that is held up, and I look, I understand we're saying held up. We're saying yeah. like a ton of mileage, kind of very banal stuff. But like, this is a guy that covers a lot of ground um so uh, i was yeah so i was looking at uh b-ball index and looking at, like how much he how much he moves on defense travels in the 92nd percentile of players in the nba in terms of how much space he's covering at defense he's chasing guys off ball at a very high level and does that a lot he's like very good at just being around and like being a physical presence it doesn't always lead to like very high like very like effective con- con- shot contesting it doesn't lead to a lot of steals but like he's just kind of there and like a, it's a very physical presence like there is value in sort of that being a thing and like i understand that that is not going to be something that is like completely sexy but like we have now i think a two-year sample of a guy who is gonna be able to do this and like i the offensive stuff certainly skews this and in, in how much you value this and all of this stuff that's this he's not the first player to kind of have this concern as far as what he is i I just kind of look at him and i just think like i would feel comfortable putting him on like if you're if you're building on a defense and you're saying okay we need to have someone guard like the team's leading guard or whatever like i kind of trust okoro like to to at least be able to handle that assignment to the best of his ability as best as like any not maybe not anyone but like He's by far the Cavs' best mm-hmm. option to kind of handle this stuff. And yeah, like I, I, it's I not just like the best of bad options. Like I think he's legitimately proven to be a good option who works his ass off. Build up the supporting the cast they have around Garland, Mobley, and Allen. But like I can see a Coral being a key piece, just especially on the defensive side of the ball for a lot of the stuff you highlighted. And I think again, it's going to get better. I think now that he has a better understanding of NBA defensive concepts, he's. Not as raw, not as green on that end of the floor. He spent nights defending the likes of 
Harden, LeBron, KD, Kyrie, you name it, he's probably defended that person at this point in his career, and doesn't look like he's overshadowed by the moment. Yes, there's times he's played a little bit too juiced up and like a little bit too amped on the floor, but I'm I'm cautiously optimistic about his defensive upside just with this Cavs team and again I, I I wonder if they use him as a that potential as like a trade chip thing for him long term as well if they want to maybe make more like a considerable roster upgrade but I wouldn't be too quick to sell my stock on a Coro just because there's that tantalizing aspect of him maybe making a leap on both ends of the floor in year three Is there a defensive thing you would kind of you would look like? We talked the shooting is the and, and maybe some secondary kind of ball movement stuff is the big thing for him on offense in year two. Is there a defensive part of his game you would like to kind of see? If there's going to be a lead on that end where he can go from like a guy that is like solid, definitely I think above average, but not quite like an all defense guy. If there's like a leap to be made to being like an I don't all know defense if all defense is necessarily guy, within reach. Is there for him? something like, you would say you would highlight as, as something he, he could get better at? Rising, if we're going to kind of rising stars contest. This. So yeah, so is Dion Waiters. So like, but this is the opposite of Dion Waiters. But if you look at his numbers so, per thirty six so based Waiters. on his God rookie bless. season, and sophomore season, he kind of looks like he plateaued in between those two. So the, the the playing defense hard and physically without fouling, I think, is going to be where I'm looking at it in year three for him because the numbers are almost identical. Like he averaged three point one fouls per game in his rookie year, three point oh fouls per game his sophomore year. Like. By his junior year, I think he's had enough time, enough understanding of how the NBA works, like how officials call games and things like that, to maybe be... Yeah, I mean, I think he already has the claim to fame of being Cleveland's best perimeter defender out the gates already, but to really like take him up to that upper echelon where he maybe isn't like Andre Roberson, like where he's such a liability offensively, where like he's intentionally fouled and sent to the line and things like that. Yeah. But I know, but Andre Roberson, like, at his apex before the injuries was really, 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 really I think really, he's really already positive. better than that. Not so, that's, like, a high bar to clear, but I think he's if probably he better than that. he kind of continues, like, that kind of path, like, I could see a trajectory like that where you can plug him in and line oh, up yeah. the situation. Insane. Like, yeah, okay, insane. Isaac, we need you to go eat the best perimeter players' lunch and just kind of make their lives hell every time they're on the floor. And then that gives J.B. Bickerstaff maybe a little bit more luxury and versatility just in how he has to defend some of these beasts in the upper echelons of the Eastern Conference to really slow down some of the perimeter assaults because if you look at teams like Boston who are three-point happy, if you can get a quarter to maybe make like Tatum or Brown uncomfortable, it, it makes the game a lot more easier for the Cavs, and maybe they're able to kind of keep within gunning range because they have stars at different positions that could make other teams uncomfortable on defense. Mm-hmm. I think if I think a, we'll talk about this more Wednesday because we're running ten in time, but I think a a jump uh, and turn forcing turnovers if that's ever going to happen, I th- I'd like to kind of see it happen soon. Um, it has been something he just doesn't do much of. Like you just don't get a lot of forcing turnovers where he's mm-hmm. just gobbling guys up in that way. It's more of a very solid, yeah. very kind of makes your life really hard for to get through him, but it's not. 
you know, he, he's if not he like kind of picking like your pocket like and creating free, points the other way. I think there's like if, if there's like a couple of those splash plays, who have really those should be kind of an important thing to kind of like that. Where like they are so active defensively and they're so because they're so quick, they can get easy buckets in the fast break. Maybe if the Cavs either find him like a supporting partner, or if Isaac just becomes better as like a free safety type player, if there's just leaps from other players, like he could be really valuable in that regard to reading lanes and just getting easy buckets in the open court as well. Yeah, if that's a thing he can do, and like as he points that way, that would be, uh, I think. If he can bolster his scoring two, three, four points a night just off easy steals and layups and dunks off those easy steals, like that's going to be huge for the Cavs. Obviously, like that's a pretty decent increase in terms of things too but um yeah i think like that's like him like hitting his like apex apex defensively like if you want to see that like being available on the floor without fouling and more steals like that's definitely something that we'd both like to see i'd say yeah and like look quick and look up he didn't like generate like a he wasn't like near the top 100 like in steal percentage in college like maybe this is just something he's not good at but if if there's a leap to be had, that would be a big thing. All right, Evan, after the break, we're going to talk about some very smaller things on the edges here, uh, particularly offensive rebounding and just some of the fact that some Cavs lineups with him were actually good. But you're going to first tell everyone about our friends at BetOnline. Absolutely, my man. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, later league reviews and this news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all the sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and even more. Head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends in action. For instance, DeAndre Ayton, if he's not on the Suns, it's something you can bet on. The Pistons are the favorite at plus 125, and the Pacers are soon behind that at plus 400 and so on. And if you want to bet on Russell Westbrook's next team, if it's not the Lakers, the Pacers are the favorites at plus 300, but the Cavs are kind of there at plus 1400 as well. Bet online, where the game starts, and the exclusive betting partner of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, back here on Locked On Cavs, last segment today. Evan, this is like a very small thing, but I just I find it interesting that like he has a pretty good offensive rebounding rate for his position. It's like it was actually neat when you um like put that in the notes. I was like, huh, didn't know that, and I was looking at the numbers. Yeah, it's like a little wonky, and like I don't know how much it's like actually helping because I don't I don't think of it as like a th- it doesn't like pop into my brain, but it's like I think there's like a motor go, go there. Ahead, like, I th- go ahead and sh- go ahead and share what it is. We're kind of like edging well, it's like it's right now. so it's like four percent, which is like doesn't sound like a lot, but like that's pretty high for offensive rebounding, especially for wings. There's three point two the year before. Like I think that says that he's at least willing to crash and battle and stuff, and like and at least come in from the wing to try to do that. Um, that So that's kind of interesting. I think the, I think the bigger thing here, and, and this is like maybe poking at the bigger question of like, do we feel like Isaac Okoro is, is a guy you can, you can win basketball games with? He was no, largely... I think so. Say that again? I think so. I tend to I, I tend to think so as well, but I'm also like a little colder in him than I might have been a year ago, and we'll talk about that on Wednesday. He has largely been a part of lineups that are good, and I, th- I think this is kind of where we'll kind of crescendo today's show per cleaning the glass they are plus 2.2 points better per 100 possessions with him on the floor for the year the lineups he was most used in the five most common were all plus 10 points better per 100 possessions all above average on defense so i i to me like this leads me to like to ask the question like is it not just is he good or is he helpful it's like how much he helps how much is moves needle overall how much is he helping in those lineups 
I think he's probably like we're kind of learning that he is like a role guy who has warts, which the NBA is full of, and navigating those can be sort of tricky, right? Like that that isn't always the easiest thing to figure out. I think it's the question of like, okay, like if the Cavs are having success, where do we feel like he's actually fitting in and contributing to that? And like that's probably still what's unclear here, but it doesn't seem insignificant to me that like the things the most the lineups he's on most of the time are like performing pretty well. And it's not just like this, like different versions of guys where he just happens to be there. It's there's different looks of those lineups. Like it's not just kind of a, a one kind of one kind of thing that then work into something else. Yeah. I think he's like you said, the offensive rebounding percentage is just, it's, it's an interesting, like just neat factoid about him, but I think it does play speak testament to the player. Isaac Coro is where, like you said, he plays physically, he plays hard on both ends of the floor, especially on defense. Like, he's willing to crash the glass and just kind of bang down low, especially with the Cavs playing two bigs. There's opportunities to grab offensive boards and things like that. And even Okoro, who is really useful cutting on the baseline, if he misses, like, an easy bunny or an easy cut like that, he can grab a quick look, kick it out, or try and score again. Like, there's opportunities there. And as, like you said, our crescendo, I think he's a winning player for this Cavs team. I think he's a good complementary role player for the Cavs. It's just that's what he's at right now as just a player who's wrapped up his second year in the NBA. He's a good complementary defensive role player for the Cavs who has his warts offensively, especially at the free throw line and at the on the perimeter where he can be not a liability, but like sometimes just concerning at points. But I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt and wait till year three to say okay this he's not a bust we'll say that he's not a bust but maybe the returns are underwhelming based on the pick i guess because like you said the onus that's associated with it but i think just now like the baseline of what's good with isaac okoro is he provides you good help defense positional defense point of attack defense he's multifaceted he plays tough he plays hard and there's something there I just think the Cavs need to work a little bit harder to, not harder, but continue to work hard on ironing out these warts and kind of figuring out what these deficiencies and just issues are. Um, Like, I don't think he'll ever be like a Marcus Smart type player. Like, I don't see Isaac Okoro winning Defensive Player of the Year at any point in his career or being like an all-defensive kind of guy. But like, he could be like a pretty upper class, like really high quality defensive role player who does some interesting things for you on offense. It's just trying to fit the pieces still into this puzzle to make it all make sense. So like, I I think I look at the playoffs and I particularly look at teams like Miami and Boston and, and I think Dallas as well, maybe not Golden State. These teams have a bunch of guys who are not able to be attacked on the perimeter they hold up to drives they can't be hunted right like they, they can be they can sustain themselves in sort of these circumstances Okor is a guy that think of that if you're going to get him in a playoff situation and he gets to play defense and he's going to have to defend drive after drive after drive I think that can be the that can be the thing it's just like there's like a separation right now between what he is as a guy near two versus like a Bruce Brown, who's kind of like the same thing, but like takes a few more threes, even though it's not like a lot. It's not really a lot, but he does some secondary playmaking. He slides into the dunker spot. He he makes these little reads. Well, let me ask you that then. Would you be disappointed if Isaac's apex is similar to Bruce Brown? No, that's a damn good and useful NBA player. 
this is the thing. Listeners, would you be disappointed so, if like, Isaac Okoro's apex was Bruce, what Bruce Brown currently is for the Brooklyn Nets? This is where this is ultimately where I get to with a lot of this. I think there are like I I come down on being a more glass half full person in this regard. Not all the time, but I think I like to think that there are if depending on the circumstance, depending on the coaching staff, depending on the individual person, right? Like there's a lot of factors that go into this. I think you can make most guys like find a role and succeed. It's just about timing and, and there's luck involved. There's all these factors involved that are very hard to discuss. And sometimes we're just throwing stuff at a wall and trying to figure this out. I think Okor mm-hmm. is a guy that if like the circumstances are right, I think you could do some interesting things with him provided he continues to improve and, and stuff gets figured out. Is it a guarantee? No, but I feel like there's enough positive here to do something with he's definitely like a step a a big step down below the guys that are leading this Cavs roster right now but if you told me that like I had to if we were gonna maybe this is like an episode we should do later in the summer and once they do the draft and everything but maybe we do a draft of like and we'll get some guests on to kind of make it a little spicier okay like if you're gonna draft a role player on this team to 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 bank your future on this upcoming season to to be a guy that you think is going to have a good year and you would trust Ooh, that's, a, that's tough like he, he i i would find him like in a, an interesting choice because i think I there's gonna, a, i thought you were gonna say he was your pick because i'm like my my pick is colin sexton still but like sexton has his own questions health wise yeah like i and like sexton even exists in his own tier to me to some degree right like he's the only thing but if you're comparing him to like some other guys on this roster it's not going to be the say, flashy three-pointers. Like, for, for, like, this draft, like, it just wouldn't be Mobley, Allen, Garland. Like, who would you pick after that, like, if you're ranking them kind of situation? And it's not even just, like, ranking them how good they are in, like, a vacuum. It's like, okay, like, how do you win with this player? Like, do you trust them in, yeah. in their availability? Because, like, all these guys have warts, and but Okoro kind of provides – he's, like, the inverse of, like – he's like the inverse of like the offensive splash player right now. And there's like a little bit of defensive stuff there or a little bit of offensive stuff there, but not enough to make you feel great about it. It's like when there's like a very competent offensive role player who has these defensive issues that you're not sure if they can, if the offense can sustain the the kind of ed defense. It's like the opposite question of that with him right now, I think. And is that a good place to leave the seven? I think we should leave it there. I think it's, I think we should leave it there. It's an interesting way to close the door on this. Um, until tomorrow Dave when Zavak, we talk yeah, when, we, when we talk the, about the, him more. The, when Dave Zavak like gets like he's just like feels like the Hulk like just covered in gamma David radiation. David's not David's not David doesn't do podcasts and also Sunderland got Sunderland got promoted his team so he's probably pretty thrilled right now. Well, that's great. I hope they it comes with a good pay raise, full benefits, and a company car for Sunderland. So good job. Until okay, next time, folks. All right, tomorrow we're gonna talk about the the bad of Okoro and obviously we'll talk about some of the offense in detail there. Um, and Wednesday we're going to talk about where he sort of fits into this and sort of pick at like how you kind of plan with him going forward. And as he heads into year three, uh, later in the week, we'll also be kind of doing some episodes on Dyson Daniels. Thursday will be, uh, a deep dive and Friday. We're hoping to have a special guest who recently talked to Dyson Daniels and wrote about him to talk about, uh, Mr. Dyson Daniels. So that should be a ton of fun. Evan, take us out as always folks thank you for checking us out i hope you had a great weekend but if you're listening to us on audio form come subscribe to us on youtube we're almost at 1500 subs and we'd really appreciate you getting us over the edge there would mean a lot and then we'd be on the goal for 2k at this point but if you're listening to us on 
YouTube and watching us, I guess, just hit subscribe. And if you haven't checked us out on audio, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify. Notice we have a 4.3 on Spotify compared to the 5.0 on Chase Down. So let's cook those books, as Justin Rowan would say. Give us a 5.0 rating so you can get us up there so we can be the upper-ranking Cleveland Cavaliers podcast like we deserve to be. But until next time, I'm Evan Damerell. He is chuck rooney Manning. We'll see you tomorrow. Also, uh, might have some important podcast production news. Fun stuff with that coming soon. Oh yeah. Also, <clears throat> I could just say it if you want. No, nah, let's 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 build. We're gonna have him. I want to announce that via him popping in to the bat, just popping in on this episode. Oh, we're all right. Get into his ego too much. See you until then, guys. Bye. Bye.